0: Welcome to Hollywood 2.0. This is Peter Katz. On today's show, I'm going to be talking to my friend Shaket Burenson, co-founder of Epic Pictures, a sales agent and independent film studio. We will discuss the business of independent filmmaking. What are the most common misconceptions about the film industry that you hear on a regular basis?
1: I find it a lot of... Young filmmakers, they come to us looking for uh, pre sales. And I think there is a misconception there because pre sales is just a very expensive way of financing films. So, in order to pre sell a movie, you need to go out there, you need to sell it obviously before it's made, which require more marketing and and more experienced salespeople. The bank is involved. The bank requires you to have approved line producer, approved accountants on set. Uh, You need to have a bond, which have their own set of requirements. So, really, it costs you, I would say, on the loan, on the higher, the $150,000 just to walk into the bank. So if you're financing a $2 million movie, pre-sales is not gonna be your um, really a viable option for you. It's really, you need to have a five and up or even 10 and up in order to make pre-sales as as a viable financing. You should also think about why would somebody pre-buy a film and if you think about a buyer, it could be a foreign buyer, you need to pre-buy a film if you feel that if you're gonna wait any longer somebody else is going to grab it. So if you make a movie that is an independent movie, doesn't have huge stars, doesn't have something that makes people feel like they have to have it now or the next person, you know, the next meeting is going to grab it, then probably it's not a pre-sellable project.
0: What's your metric for deciding what films to produce? So we
1: don't really have a metric or a a mandate, which explains the variety of films that we do. Um, At Epic, we really put the people first. So for us, it's about the director, about the writer, about the producers that, that we bring on board. That's really what determines about the film, and this is why we can have, for example, in Sundance last year, we had an experimental, really dark drama with John C. Riley, something very dark, very experimental. But we have also Turbo Kid, which is kind of a fun, smoking a joint and enjoy uh, just entertainment. And the reason for it is because we really go with people we believe in more than a specific project. So... It's not, Epic is not a company that you're going to come if you have a specific budget or genre in mind.
0: How do you feel about Netflix and other streamers getting into your space?
1: Well, it depends. People look at them as competitors, but they're competitors and uh, collaborators at the same time. We work a lot with Netflix. Uh, we, in discussion about a few projects with Amazon, we work with Hulu. So for us, it's actually good to have uh, more competition in the market especially on the foreign side.
0: And, you know, this is relatively new that the streamers have been part of this ecosystem.
1: Yeah, so they're new, but really the model is closer to what uh, TV models have um, been doing for many, many uh, years is, uh, for example, the HBO originals or the sci-fi originals, that they basically commission from your film. So you know what the budget, you know what you're going to get, uh, which is very different than how we used to do things because we used to invest in a film, take a risk, and then go out in the market, go to festivals, sell it uh, to the U.S., and sell it in individual markets, and then you obviously can have a lot more upside, but you have a lot greater risk. If Netflix is doing a movie with you, and you know the budget is five million, and you need to calculate all the fees and and your profit with Cinder, then it's a lot safer. Companies like Netflix are very uh, generous from uh, uh, what I've seen in allowing to have the, the space to uh, shoot longer periods and, and spend the money where it's need to be. But obviously with the less risk, there is less return.
0: I think someone from Netflix was quoted saying that it allows the producers to get consistently on base, but it's less home runs. That's,
1: uh, I would agree with it. Who was that from Netflix?
0: I think Just it was curious. Ted, was it Ted Sarandis? I think, mentioned that in an interview where he was talking yeah. about that it's a more of a predictable model, but it's less upside, but also less volatile.
1: Yeah, it's low volatile, more upside, but you also need to remember as a filmmaker, as a director, as a producer, that your home run is to make a show that was accepted so well. So Netflix now is going to give you more budget or bigger projects to do. So if, if you work with them on, on some independent uh, horror movie for just, you know, a couple of million dollars and you really hit a home run, then maybe you can get your next TV series finance or a, or a much bigger film. So the reason actually make an upside not on individual case it's more on the entire relationship and I think that each movie has their own release strategy Uh, I think one big mistake that you can make is insist on a theatrical release when a movie shouldn't have it or um, try to go to VOD before it's on uh, something like Netflix because don't forget it Netflix while they're screening the movie and and people quote-unquote getting it for free Uh, It's also a great marketing platform. So if your movie is great and you have a lot of uh, supplemental materials, if it's a collector's DVD, we sell a lot of information, or you can have uh, on platforms like iTunes a lot of additional content, uh, the fan will seek it out and it will help you make a sequel. I don't know, for TurboKit, for example, it's playing right now on Netflix, but we have a, a big merchandising push. We have a graphic novel, we have a collection edition. That's been doing very well. We have customs that are going to come up uh, for next Halloween. So network is not necessarily just ending your revenue stream. You just need to be very smart to find the other revenue streams.
0: Specific to Turbo Kid, that's really interesting how you're able to leverage the visibility for Netflix? Was that something that you had in mind or you were like responding to the very positive response?
1: I think in that case, the movie really struck a chord with people and we have so much more material and such a bigger world to, uh, to give to people. So for us, it was great. We have thousands of fan art, uh, people doing turkey tattoos and graffitis and doing a lot of cosplay. So for us, it was a perfect kind of storm in terms of uh, building a fan base for the film. Biggest Spider, for example, after we went, uh, after we played on Sci-Fi Channel, it was a couple of years ago, we actually seen uh, an uplift in uh, VOD sales. So obviously, it is, if it's chatter on Twitter or social media, it's actually increased the awareness and increased the sales, which you would, would assume that why would somebody buy it on iTunes if it's already on Sci-Fi Channel. But I think that people watch films wherever they're comfortable to watch movies and if you watch movies only on your Netflix, you can put it in as the many theaters you want. That person is not going to go to theaters because it doesn't consume content there. If you're the type of person that downloads movies on iTunes because you travel a lot and you travel out the country and you like to have it on your iPad, that's what you're going to do. So I think there is a combination. Of course, there is the value-seeking consumer that just will look for the cheapest way. But in the end of the day, the cheapest way is piracy, you know? so. You know, we should all be happy to have uh, other options for audience.
0: What's the current state of international film sales?
1: I would say it's exactly like um, everywhere else in the economy. I think the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer.
0: Studios
1: and Netflix and really everybody focusing on the big budget, uh, shiny films with a lot of big stars and and a celebrity director. The model of... Just making a small film and going out of DVD is pretty much dead. Uh, VOD brought some revenue to cover for the 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 dying or the death of the DVD, but it's not as much as you used to get. If you want to make money from uh, small independent movies—you really need to keep the budget even smaller than before. Uh, you really need to kind of go big or go really small. And there are ways to go small without really going small, and that's thanks to other options of financing. For example, a few years ago, you didn't have crowdfunding. You know, now you can make a half a million dollar movie, but maybe a big portion of it came from crowdfunding, another portion came from tax credit or some sort of subsidy. So you're really not spending that much money. You may maybe spending two hundred thousand. But the movie is actually a million dollars in terms of production.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Hollywood 2.0. You can follow me on Twitter at katz one It's K-A-T-Z. You can follow Shaquette on Twitter at Shaquette Perenson for more useful information about the film business. Music on this episode is from Sophie Tucker, the track Matadora.